something that I love about our relationship that we can have with Jesus is that he's very involved in every aspect of our lives. He's not a distant God. He's not a distant idea. He's a present friend. He's a constant lover. He's close. He's, if we welcome him, if we have him set in our hearts as a priority, as not only Savior, but Lord, not only Lord, but lover, not only lover, but friend, and on and on, um, we see somebody, a person who truly loves us, wants to be involved in our lives, cares, calls us, talks to us, spends time with us. We see a Jesus who is very personal, very relational, and very involved. And one of the hardest books for people to read and dig into and understand is the book of Revelation. It is full of mystery, 110%. That's why I love it. And people always try to ask me, you know, what exactly is the beast with seven heads, you know, or whatever? What is this? I don't know. I mean, I'm studying it just like you. I'm digging into it just like you. I have opinions just like you, but I'm not Christ. So what I usually tell people about the book of Revelations is go talk to Christ. He can give you the best advice and opinions and suggestions and ideas. But One of my favorite parts of Revelation, the book of Revelation, and um, not necessarily the easiest to understand or anything, but something that is maybe a little bit more easy to understand in the book of Revelation is where Jesus writes letters to the church. Now, I find this to be absolutely fascinating. Sometimes we can get so caught in the routine of like hearing about books in the Bible and hearing stories of the Bible that we don't let those things blow our minds. We, we don't let those things like take grip on our heart and stop and say, whoa, Jesus was writing letters to the church. He was writing letters to people that he cared about. He was writing letters, and within these letters in Revelations 2 and 3, you see Jesus um, encouraging, and you see him correcting. You see him calling out some sin, calling out some issues, and you see him applauding and cheering on certain actions. But when I read this, I think about this personal Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I get on my knees and close my eyes and I believe I feel his presence in my life. I feel him leading me. I feel him, whenever I've gone through hard times, he heals me. Whenever I feel unloved, he's there loving me. Whenever I have sinned and I call on him, he's faithful to forgive me. I see a Jesus who is at the right hand of the Father defending me. This is crazy. This is, this is the truth of who Jesus is. He stands at the right hand of God defending me. You know, I, I know Jade slipped and I know she fell, but she's called on my name, Father. So she's covered in that blood that was poured out on the cross. She's redeemed. She's a daughter. She, she stands in that position now that when you look at her, you see me. So on judgment day, there, there is no uh, blemish on her. 
There's no sin on her because I, Jesus, have covered her. I love her. I see this Jesus who walked into my hospital room whenever I was a child and had spinal meningitis. And they were telling my parents that I'd never walk again and talk again. And the report is horrible. And people came and prayed for me in the name of Jesus. And I got up and was walking and talking within the day of that prayer after being in a coma for three days. And now I talk pretty good. Ask my friends, I can talk and, and I can walk and I have my, my life because of Jesus. And so I see this healer and I see my friend that when everybody else couldn't get me and nobody could understand me and nobody got my, my, my lingo and nobody understood my thought process, Jesus was there with me, understanding me, conversating, walking me through. I see this Jesus that when I was breaking down, crying with my, my head on the floor, just, just begging God to heal me of pain, this Jesus who came in and healed me and gave me direction where I was confused. This Jesus that when I have a low image of myself reminds me who I am and reminds me how I'm loved. This Jesus who perfectly accepts me and is down for me, like real ride or die, like he actually died. So like that's the real definition, like he's it. This Jesus who loves me and accepts me and wants me. This is, this is the Jesus that I see and love, and I know so many people see that Jesus, but there's another side of Jesus that I don't want us to forget about, and I don't want us to trip on, and I don't want us to be offended with because it's as good as the part of him that completely accepts us and loves us and showers us with compliments and is always there for us. This is the side of Jesus that corrects us when we're wrong. This is the side of Jesus that disciplines us. This is the side of Jesus that's hard to take. The side of Jesus that's medicine with a true cure for your soul where when we're sick, you know, really, when, when you get sick, um, with a cold and you've got the flu, you probably take NyQuil and just pass out for days. Symptom relief, symptom relief, and more symptom relief. But your body is sick for a reason. Your immune system's down. Your cells are fighting themselves. So what you really need is to go get some spinach, get some lettuce, get some greens, get some fruits, get some vegetables, and you need to pl- uh, replenish your body with what it needs. And that's who Jesus is sometimes. He's, he's the broccoli. He's the lettuce. He's the fruits. He's the vegetables. He's the true replenishing. He's the true healing, real medicine that we don't want to take but is the cure. So Jesus is this absolute unconditional lover. But he is also an unashamed corrector where we are wrong. And for whatever the reason... Humanity, I know that I am extremely guilty of this, so I ain't hating on nobody. But we tend to take correction from people, or when somebody dislikes something we do, we take it as they dislike us. If you reject something I do, then you reject me. If you don't like something I do, then you don't like me. And that's not true. 
That's a soul issue. That's a wound inside of us that makes us think those things. Man, somebody corrected me, and they, so they don't like me. So I, I get defensive, and I get upset, and I get offended because you don't tell me nothing because I'm, I'm taking your, your correction as criticism because of a wound that I have. So a, a lot of times in human nature, we don't want to be corrected. We don't want to be disciplined. We don't want to be put in line. We don't want to be put in order. We don't want to be told when we're wrong. Y'all don't even play because I know y'all know what I'm talking about. We don't want to be wrong. But there's a part of Jesus that loves us so intimately and loves us so deeply and loves us so truly and genuinely that he will tell us when we're wrong to our face. He will tell us when there are things that are not good. He will tell us when there are things that have to go. He will tell us where there are areas where we're wounded and we're sick and we need medicine. And so you see him in the book of Revelation in uh, chapter 2. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. Uh, In this chapter, it's often called the loveless church. And in, in chapter, I mean, in chapter two, verse two, Jesus says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars and you have persevered and you have patience and you have labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary. And verse four is where, where it can get you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and I will remove the lampstand from its place, your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Oh, my God, we love verse 2 and verse 3. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you can't bear evil. You've persevered. You've done things for my name. But then verse 4 is where we get, we get upset sometimes and we get offended. But we forget it's still the love of Jesus. Verse 3 and verse 4 are both consumed in love. Verse 2, 3, and 4 are all written in love. Nevertheless, I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking to his church, people he loves. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. There are times when Jesus comes into our lives and he says, repent, you're wrong here. Repent. Go back to the first good works. You need to turn around. And Jesus tells this church, I love you. I see the good that you do. He says, but there's a problem. You don't love me anymore. Come back to me. Come back to love. Fix this. Repent. Turn from the direction you're going, or I will quickly remove your light. I will remove your place of influence. Woo, that's crazy. This is Jesus, unconditional lover, down for you, ride or die. Go back to your first love, repent, or I will quickly remove that lampstand. Jesus loves us enough to be honest. Then you jump over to um, verse 19 and 
he's writing to the corrupt church. That's what it's known for here, the corrupt church. In verse 19, he says, I know your works. Now, that right there, that sentence alone should grab every single one of us. I know your works. He's not saying, I know about them. I have this information. He said, I know your works. Meaning, I know where they stem from. I know your motivation. I know your intentions. I know your desires. I know your work. I know everything about it. The deepest part of it, parts you don't even know about. I know your work. Love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent. Of those deeds. Jesus says, hey, I see your works. I know them. I see there's love and there's service and there's faith and there's patience. But nevertheless, I've got something against you. You have allowed this spirit into the church. You have allowed this spirit into your life. It's not that it just invaded you and came out of nowhere. You've given allowance to the devil. Jesus says, repent or things are going to get ugly. I love you enough to tell you. I love you enough to be honest with you. You've got to make a change. You've got to repent. Then we see more in uh, verse 3, to the dead church. Jesus again says, I know your works. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Jesus says, look, I know you've got a reputation. I know people think you're alive and you're popping. You got smoke machines, light machines, albums out for days, worship for days. You got sermons, you got podcasts, you got channels, you got social medias full of the message. Everybody thinks you're alive. He said, but here's the problem. I know you. They don't know you, but I know you and I know that you're dead. This is from Jesus to a church he loves. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Jesus says, look, I love you enough to call you out. You got to be watchful and you got to strengthen those things that are dying. Because they're not, they're not good before the Lord. They don't have love before the Lord. They're not alive. They've become vacant of who I am. You're just doing things now. And you have a reputation for doing things. But do you love me? And do they stem from me? Jesus says, now remember, go back. Remember how you received and how you heard about me. Hold fast to that and repent. Repent. If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour that I come upon you. Jesus says, look, I love you. I know your works. You're doing a lot of good things, but the problem is you don't love me. You're not alive in me. You're alive in the world. 
and you're dead to me. So I need you to strengthen up again. I need you to come back. I need you to, I need you to come back to that place of love with me. And I need you to repent and turn from what you're doing. Works without faith. Works without love. Turn away from that. Come back to me or I will come upon you like a thief in the night. I'll take those things. And Jesus is being honest. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. This is what Jesus says. Then we go to the lukewarm church. And he says in verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich. And have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. This might sound like something you hear. This may sound like something you say. I used to sound like this. I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have need of nothing. Everything, I'm blessed. I am blessed. And Jesus says, but you don't know that you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind because you're rich in wealth, but you're not rich in the kingdom. So you're poor in what matters and you're rich in what doesn't matter. So I counsel you, verse 18, to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. I counsel you to come into my presence and get to know me. Let me clothe you because that's wealth. That's being rich. And white garments that, may, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And this is the part that I really want to get to. So you, you see him talking to this church and he tells him, you're not hot, you're not cold, and you think you got it going on and you don't. Repent. I, I counsel you, come to me and let me clean you. What is, the, what is the cure for every single one of the things that Jesus says is wrong in, in the churches and what he's saying with the people? That they're not, they're not close to him anymore. They've lost love. Every correction Jesus is saying, let's come back to the base of love. Come back to who I am. And so Jesus is saying, come back. I counsel you, come close to me so I can clothe your nakedness. Let me be your, your wealth. Let me be your riches. And then verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke. As many as I love, I rebuke. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And I will dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Oh, my goodness. And also, I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So Jesus is saying, look, it's very, very important that you understand. I rebuke those I love. I correct them. I discipline them. It's not really popular today to talk about being rebuked. It's not popular to talk about being corrected. It's not popular to be disciplined. 
It's popular to do what you want, when you want, you do you, boo-boo, and I'll do me. But that's not how the kingdom works when you're in a relationship with God. And it's not this picture of a God hovering over you saying, do this, do that, don't do this, and don't do that. It's this picture of a husband and wife who are so intimately in love with each other, so incredibly consumed in their adoration and admiration and respect for one another that they're able to tell each other, hey, look, this is an area you're hurting me. Can you change that? And they say, yeah, I'm sorry. I won't do that anymore. I want to please you. I love you. And the other partner says, hey, look, it, it's, not really, it's not really good when you do that. Can you do it like this? Yeah, I can. I can do that because I love you. I appreciate you. I respect you. I want you. I'm not willing to lose you over this, over this thing, so I'll change it. This is where Jesus is coming from. Do you love me? Do you love me? Then obey my commands. Do the things that are good. I love you. I came to the cross for you. I proved my love for you. It's a love relationship. It's not this, I'm, I'm over you as God and Lord, and you better do what I say, and you better get in line and get it right, or you don't get into the kingdom. It's none of that. It's love. And so my question to you today is, would you open a letter from Christ that was to you? If you knew that letter was not just showered in his love for you, but that he may also be correcting you. Would you even open it? Would you pretend you didn't see it and throw it in the trash? Would it end up in the shredder before it was open? Would you purposely accidentally spill coffee on it? Or would you open that letter and see what Jesus is correcting in your life? Where he says, look, I love you, everything about you. I made you. I went to the cross for you. I have such, such deep, deep love for you. But here's the thing. You're jealous, and it's not good. You're jealous of your brothers and sisters. You don't appreciate them as much as you compete with them, and that's not good. Can you repent? Come back to me. Come back to love, and I'll show you how to cheer for them and applaud them. Or he may write you and say, man, I love you. I'm so proud of how you feed the homeless. I'm so proud of, of, of how you go out and you just talk to people about me and you witness to them and, and you give to them where they have practical needs. But here's the thing. You've got a lustful heart. You're still lusting. You're still wanting things that don't please me. I need you to turn from that and come to me. Turn. Or, hey, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I see what you're doing. I see the influence that you're having. But here's the thing. You, you don't have a whole lot of fruit operating in your life. You're getting a lot done, but there's not a lot of fruit of the spirit. You're not patient. You're not gentle. You're not being kind. Let's go back and eat of these fruits. Let's go back and consume the fruit so that it can come out of our lives. Where where would the Lord potentially correct you? And would you be willing to listen to that correction? Would you be willing to take it in as love from God? The same way he tells you you're beautiful. The same way he tells you, look, you the man, you got it, you can do this. I'm with you, you're strong enough. 
Would you take his correction the same way that you take his compliments as love? Would you be willing to believe Revelations 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke, I correct, I discipline? Would you be willing to realize that God's discipline is his love just as much as his blessing and his compliments? Would you be willing to know that God corrects you because he loves you? That he doesn't love you more because you get corrected, but he corrects you because he already loves you unconditionally and he wants to see you in your full potential as a son and a daughter of his. My encouragement to you is get before him. Get on your knees in your room by yourself. Close your eyes and ask God, what in me doesn't please you? David prayed this. If there be anything unclean in me, examine me, show me, and let's remove it because I want you so badly, God. Is that your prayer? And get before God and say, God, show me the things in me that don't look like you and give me grace to correct them. Give me grace to fix them. Love me through it and love me into something new that looks more like you, that looks more like your kingdom because I know that you love me and even your correction and your discipline is out of love for me. So I accept your correction just as much as your compliments as a sign of your unconditional love for me. If Jesus wrote you a letter, would you open it? Let this encourage you to take this before God on your own. Get in a place where it can just be you and him and ask him about his heart. And whatever he tells you, take it, do it, and don't ever look back.